that the uh, the enemy is the prince of the airwaves, and uh, God moves in such amazing ways to be able to bring a positive, transformative, effective message. And I'm just a willing, obedient, humble servant. I'm no more anointed, favored, gifted, or blessed by anything I've done or will ever do, but by everything my Lord and Savior has already done. So it's not to draw people unto me, but to draw people unto Jesus so that he may lift them up. And I just wanted to say that that's the uh, providential word that the Lord has given me, to be lifted up out of the chains, the pain, the shame, the addiction, the pornography, the unforgiveness, to be lifted up and be placed on a rock. And so my story is probably like a lot of people's stories. Child that grew up in a home where violence and abuse was its only foundation and led to a young man chasing broken promises and shattered dreams just to have any attention. The sadness was that in the generational curses of unforgiveness, murder, molestation, child abuse, drug addiction, alcoholism, and witchcraft, that that, that was a Christian home. By the appearance of going to church and going to the altar and asking God for forgiveness, it looked like every Christian home you would ever see would ever be portrayed. But it's behind the doors where the evil happens, where the darkness is painted, and where the just the pain and the shame and the guilt and the doubt and the fear is, is always present. And uh, so my family managed to hide that, but you can't hide the welts and the bruises and the beating and the things that are visible to the human eye. Well, David, maybe you can start at the beginning. Where were you born? Where were you raised? And, and how did it come about, this uh, very difficult childhood? And then eventually, uh, how you would eventually come to Christ and see these bondages broken? Well, I, I want to just generalize and say I was brought up in Los Angeles. Okay. And uh, typical middle-class environment. Uh, my father worked for a uh, Christ faith-based company. Mm -hmm. Knew the Bible, forwards and backwards. Charismatic, good-looking, loved by everyone. But unfortunately, when he was a child, he witnessed a uh, horrific situation to where he never allowed it to uh, be forgiven or be forgotten. Mm -hmm. So I think unintentionally, he took out that pain, that shame, that guilt, that doubt, that fear, that identity crisis upon myself. And he went from a faith-based company and, and uh, doing the best that he could to, uh, to becoming an outlaw, one percenter, you know, um, involved in motorcycle gangs and building choppers and, and you know, uh, nothing against people that are bikers or building choppers or living in that world of drugs and whatever else that they may be consuming at the time. It's just that uh, he couldn't let it go. And he took out that anger upon myself. So at age 11, uh, after visiting with my mom, 
his fiance, who was upset at him for uh, his lack of being faithful, mm -hmm. uh, took it upon herself to seduce me behind alcohol and drugs. Mm -hmm. So those those demons of uh, of addiction, coupled with the demons of being beaten. <clears throat> And the enemy basically said to me, you are going to hell and you're going to bring casualties to hell with you. And the only way I could even pretend to be normal was through martial arts, was through um, fighting. I figured since I had been beaten so many times, um, it was a natural progression to go into fighting. And uh, perhaps if I went into fighting, then I could defend myself. I never raised my hand to my father or to my mother, but I had a violent, violent, violent temper. So I took that temper and I, I, uh, I substituted my pain for fighting. And then that became my worship, that became my sanctuary, that became um, what I lived, what I breathed, what I ate, that success took me into doing movies mm -hmm. and uh, over some 35 movies all over the world and you know the thing about that John and David is is that and Wanda when you do things like that you don't have your own identity that's fearfully and wonderfully made and created in the image of God you don't have that identity of before the foundations of this world that God knew you before he even knit you into your mother's womb. You don't have that identity. Mm -hmm. So you basically are living through the identity of what the enemy says. And the enemy will build us up, tell us whatever we want to hear, lie by lie. Mm -hmm. And he'll put you wherever you think you need to be. Mm -hmm. But without that foundation, without that rock, without that identity, he'll systematically tear you right mm -hmm. down to where like myself, I didn't know who I was. Mm -hmm. All I knew is that I hated myself. Mm. It didn't matter the, the accusation, it didn't matter the crowds, it didn't matter the entourage, because at the end of the day, when I was forced to look at myself in that mirror of conviction, uh, I hated the person looking back at me. So I took that anger, that pain, that fear, and I basically, when my mom committed suicide, working for a suicide prevention program, overdosing on drugs, I said, that's it, that's it. Either I'm gonna go out and beat people to death mm -hmm. that have wronged me, or I'm gonna beat myself to death. So I made the choice to beat myself to death. So for 20 years, after a successful movie career and television series that uh, was short-lived on Spike TV called Boom, I just ended up in, in, a, uh, in a room with the uh, intention of, it's too easy, and I don't want to say it's easy because it's never easy mm -hmm. to take your life. Mm -hmm. Suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Mm -hmm. But I did not want to blow my brains over the wall. I wanted to systematically punish myself 
day by day, moment by moment, hour by hour, minute by minute. And I made a covenant with the enemy. I said, I want to watch life go by. I want to get high and I want to die. So that one day turned into approximately 20 years where uh, it was put on Facebook that I had OD'd. And basically, if you think about it, I did. Mm -hmm. Because the only thing worse than being physically dead <clears throat> is being spiritually dead. So I just basically survived in a room with vomit and excrement and urine and chains and pain and shame and guilt and doubt and fear. Mm -hmm. And when I wasn't being humiliated or being punked, or, I, I would do that to myself. 24-7 pornography. I ended up losing 100 pounds, walking around at 135. Mm -hmm. Uh, white as as the color could possibly be shaking and could not put sentences together but through all of that I remember I did sing a song maybe some of your listeners sang this song that Jesus loves me this I know yeah, for right. the Bible tells me so I remember when my mom walked in the room and she was bloody from head to toe seven years old thinking I'm gonna get the beating of my life I could hear the footsteps and I remember the room changing and I remember this voice breaking through all that darkness and all that noise and, 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 and chaos and it said just say these words so I said these words to my mom mm -hmm. and it was here I am God and then I thought you know what life is a game winners and losers preachers and boozers if you ask me it's all the same and no one gives you nothing you must try and try again even though it's often to the bitter end is there a moral to my story you mean after all this you don't feel the glory is there really a silver lining around the cloud or do we go through life with our heads bowed the dreams we have they stay inside the people with the power they keep our hands tied and I just remember that seven years old she looked at me tears were coming down her eyes she walked out of the room and God used that moment, I'll be 58 in September, God used that moment to, uh, to let me know that he would never let go of me. See, we go through things thinking that God, the Holy Spirit, the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ, is not with us, but they're always, always there. He sees our tears and he hears our prayers. So in this room, of spiritual solitary confinement, beating myself, cutting myself, hating myself, never going out during the day. God took that time to systematically download his story into my heart, love and compassion and, and the resurrected savior and the gift of the Holy Spirit, the intercessor, the comforter, the best friend, the protector. So. I'm constantly battling with staying up weeks at a time and then hearing words of, of love and correction and discipline and honor and, 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 and compassion. And uh, it ended up to where I wrote 30 prose, um, about 175,000 words, one word at a time. And then God challenged me to share them with nefarious, dark, broken, lost, confused, 
addicted people. I never knew that he was preparing me for such a time mm -hmm. as this. Mm -hmm. I never knew that many were called but few were chosen. Mm -hmm. I never knew that he was teaching me the contaminator of preaching. I had no idea. Just one day, we all have a one day, and I challenge you, what is your one day? When you finally say, I'm done. I'm done. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. Greater is he that is in me that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I'm more than a conqueror. It was my one day was when I woke up and I couldn't get high anymore. I could not get high. I was drinking as many bottles as any human being could. I had pure crystal meth. I had crack cocaine. I had everything right there in front of me. I thought, this is the day to where I will OD. Or I will get enough courage, false courage, to blow my brains all over the wall. But this is my one day. Mm -hmm. And I remember that when I couldn't get high, I was thinking to myself, why can't I get high? And all of a sudden, the voices of the enemy and the shadows of the demon and the darkness of my situation was more and more and more and more real. I thought, okay, that's it then. That's it. So I went into the bathroom. I looked in the mirror. And I saw in that mirror of conviction the monster that was always chasing me. It was me. I'm blaming it on everybody else. But in reality, it was always me. And that's a sobering moment. So I just took my head, I slammed it into the mirror, I went and smashed all my glass pipes, and I'm literally bleeding from my head to my toes. And I'm crying out, Lord, just let me go. Just, just let me go. He said, son, you can die on the floor or you can walk out the door. But those generational curses of the third and fourth generation of those that hate me, you have to break. Otherwise, they will have the legal right to enter into your nieces when they find your dead body. That is your legacy. I couldn't live with that. It was kind of like when the, the rich man does everything he can to, to track down Jesus. And he's standing there. He's going, I do everything that a good Christian should do. Mm -hmm. And Jesus looked at him and he said, then take your riches and willingly give it to the poor. This I cannot do. We all have something in our back pocket. We'll give you this, Jesus, but we can't give you that. Even if it takes me to the pits of hell, I have to hold on to this. And mine was my addictions. Mine was my pornography. Mine was my uh, willingness and my promise to take myself out. So when he told me that, I was like, okay, then, then, then I can't do that. So what am I gonna do? You wrote this on my heart. It had to be you. It had to be you. Kind of like David in the intimacy of his own humanity, knowing the voice of God, 
with the ability to take out the bear and the lion and take out the giant. Sometimes in order for us to take out the giant, we have to have the David inside of us, that, that intimacy, that what we can still do things like David committed murder and adultery and God said, you're a man after my own heart. Mm -hmm. And when Nathan came and checked him, he said, it's you, David. That was my, it's you, David, mm -hmm. moment. And it, it, it was like Abraham, when he heard God say, take your son, your only son, the one whom you love, and sacrifice him on the altar on Mount Moriah. You had to have the intimacy of knowing God's words and his voice. And it's so important. Yes. It's so important because that's how we learn to love ourselves because God first loved us. That's how we learn to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. That's how we learn to love our enemy. That's how we learn to love God with all our mind, heart, soul, and strength. And I'm there, and I have that moment, and, and, and I said, okay, then I just want a roof over my head. I just want food in my stomach. I will walk away from every darkness, every demon, every addiction, everything. But I just need to see the evidence of your son, Jesus. I need a lifetime of divine appointments. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I will walk through the doors you open. I will not get crushed by the ones you close. Please be the physician of my mind, the healer of my heart. Be my only way, my only truth, my only life, my only way to walk, my only truth to know and my only life to lead. And I am yours. I am yours. Till I take my very last breath. I pray that it's my very first breath with you. And at that moment, all I could do was just say, now what? Now what? And I put my head down and I just started walking, praying. I had no church, I had no covering, but I had the Holy Spirit. I had the tears, I had the pain, I had the shame, I had the guilt, I had the doubt, I had the fear. And God just started to say, okay, I'm here with you. And, and I moved out of that place, I moved into another place. Eventually I started to move in with my cousins, which were believers. They had me go to a church, which I did not want to be at. I walked out of the church, a pastor came, he looked, ironically, he looked like my stepdad. He came up to me, he remembered me from some of the fighting, some of the movies and things, and he asked me, what's your story? But what he didn't tell me is when I shook his hand, the Holy Spirit told him, do not let go of him. I him here because he will reach people you will never ever reach you will never ever reach so he put me in front of some people that became spiritual mentors and uh, a six-month promise to share my testimony has turned into seven and a half years and uh, I, I can't tell you how many people I've been able to reach only God knows can only tell you that every platform, every platform, non-secular and secular, Dream Center, Victory Outreach, Teen Challenge, Salvation Army, all churches for salvations, recovery homes, shelters, missions, halfway houses, prisons, juvenile halls, detention camps, 
building bridges of repentance and forgiveness, mm -hmm. not walls. Because I truly believe that when somebody has a repentive heart, what human being has the right to tell them you don't have the right to be forgiven? Right. God does not love you the way he loves me. So um, I've gone all over the country and I have family everywhere. But my immediate family was falling apart because a lot of it had to do with me. You know, they saw me go from a celebrity to a dope fiend. And uh, I cried out to God. I said, Lord, I need to uh, do something with my immediate family because I was getting pressure to come to Northeast Ohio and become a resident. Mm -hmm. Because of the last two times I was here, God had told me I'm preparing the land. I'm setting the table. I'm honoring the effort. I'm preparing the land setting the table I'm honoring the effort I'm preparing the land I'm setting the table and I'm honoring the effort I couldn't understand what he was talking about but in Northeast Ohio and all over the East Coast just like the West Coast people are battling with pharmacia and, and, and drugs and overdoses and fentanyl and heroin crystal meth and crack cocaine and alcohol and 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 sexual slavery and sexual abduction and, and and I just feel like that there has to be there has to be a moment to where you say what is your identity and are you ready to break the generational curses and are you ready to start the revival and are you ready to start the reformation so to make a very long story short, I was able to go somewhere to my family. They were doing Santeria and Don Morte and, and witchcraft. And 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 uh, I was having Bible studies there. And people were coming in that were drinking, that were doing drugs. And they were getting delivered. Delivered, not by me, but by Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, by the, the resurrected dynamite dunamis power. And, and, and miracles were happening. So when I finally got my family back, praise the Lord, then I said to the Lord, I do not want to go. You know, I have ministry platforms. I have ministry duties. I have pulpits that are open up to me. I have loving pastors and loving congregations and juvenile halls and detention camps and you, you name it. And who am I that God's even mindful of me? Oh, wretched man that I am. Who can save me from this body of death? And there I am. And I cried out to the Lord. He said, son, when you're comfortable, you don't grow. Then he said, son, if you can't leave what you've learned to love, it's not a sacrifice. I require sacrifice. I require obedience over sacrifice. So I come down here, and for some reason, I'm obsessed. It's my third time here. I've been able to preach all over Northeast Ohio all the different churches, all the different places, all the different non-secular and secular platforms as a willing, obedient, humble servant. I'm not here to beat, whip, still, poison the sheep. I'm only here to urge, welcome, encourage, and warn. I'm only here to validate what the pastor's preaching from the Holy Word, from the Bible. That's all I'm here to do, right. to illuminate God's love, His compassion, His forgiveness. If I can do it, anybody can do it. That's the only reason I'm here. The only reason I'm breathing is to help bring souls into God's kingdom. That's the only reason I'm here. 
And I get here, and I'm dead tired. I make it here in a day and a half with one of my uh, uh, disciples. And uh, Roy Fankhauser, who's the manager and the facilitator of this ministry, looks to me and says, are you willing to go down to the hospital and pray for a young man that's dying of cancer? So I look to my other disciples, a word on the street, Chris and, 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 uh, and uh, John and, uh, and Eric, and we go down there, and I meet this gentleman that you could just tell he had so much pain, so much pain. I never saw him before, but I was there to do business. So we went, we prayed, we anointed his son. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, he doesn't have long for this earth. I need you to be a watchman. I need you to be a gatekeeper. <clears throat> he woke up and he put his hand on, on the back of my head and he started to smile, mm. started to laugh. And uh, I just I just started to shoot the father text spiritual scriptures and 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 you know wake him up shake him up and let the Holy Spirit take him up uh, kind of uh, dialogue and um, then they had a prayer vigil because the son had to come home sometimes we all have to come home mm -hmm. like the prodigal and um, but this, this kid never showed pain, always laughed or giving him chemo, all this chemo, and he's smiling and he's dancing. And I knew that he was already with Jesus. I knew it. I knew it. And 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 so I stayed on the outside. It's kind of hard to do when you're 6'3", and you're tattooed from your nose to your toes. Yeah. Stay on the outside. <laughs> but, but, but I did. I stayed on the outside. I just followed the obedience of what God told me to do. And then they had a prayer vigil at the house. I went into the house, started to pray. We had a prayer circle. A few people that were there actually gave their life to Christ, uh, which was amazing. Only God could do that. And then uh, God decided to call him home. Michael T. George. Right. And I like to say that was the smile that lit up the world. Now it's lighting up heaven. And that's the light that continues to burn. And I became kindred spirits with his father, his mother, and, and his son and his two daughters. And, and I was able to do a deliverance. And God said, now your work is done. But our work is never done because on the road to heaven, it's always under construction. We're always walking down that narrow path. We're always fighting that good fight. We all got the full armor of God on. We're all standing deep in that gap. And it's because we know more than ever, bullets are flying, babies are dying, mamas are crying, and Satan hasn't stopped lying. So I've taken this willingness not to tap out, not to throw in the towel, not to give up, stand up and proclaim the good news of Jesus. And I was... On one of my trips, I was passing Crusher Stadium. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you're going to crush the head of the enemy at Crusher Stadium through the resurrected power of Jesus Christ. 
not any human being. But the revival starts now. And when that when that was said to me, I, I went and preached a message at one of the um, Celebrate Recoveries with uh, Anchor Church and Patricia. And afterwards, it was just heavy on my heart because I had been able to go to all these recovery and celebrate recoveries in these different churches with heart, with a shepherd's heart. Yet it was always division, different churches, different places. So um, I just said to her, I said, why can't we all get under one roof? And she said, I've been having this vision, that Crusher Stadium. And that was when God said, okay, there it is. I looked to Roy and I said to him, you need to make this happen. You know, we need a, we need a band that's gonna have a draw because I'm a nobody telling everybody about the only one that can save everyone. And um, I'm just a beggar, showing another beggar where the bread of life is. I like to tell people, uh, I can no longer turn a blind eye to all the evil, darkness, and brokenness, and hopelessness I'm constantly surrounded by. For this building is on fire and there are victims inside, we must be willing to face the flames and point them to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because I'm an evangelist. Everywhere I go is my church. Everyone I meet is my congregation. The reason that I'm breathing is to help lead souls into God's kingdom. And, and, and God has honored that. And the good people of Northeast Ohio have honored that. And Beyond the Walls and North Coast and Church on the Rise and Cathedral of Life and Heritage Church and Victory Outreach. And I could just keep naming places and people Tony George, and, and, and you, John, Fred Corey, and his Bible study on Friday, and, and uh, Jerry Blau, and, and, and just so many people. Roy Ackerman, Scott Lessing, you got uh, uh, Grace Church in Middlebrook, they've come to the fold, you know, and, and there's just so many people that said, if not now, when? Hmm. If, I, if not us, then who? Right. And, and that's what I'm operating on. I'm, I'm operating on that the people are saying, I'm sick and tired of being tired. I'm sick and tired of seeing overdoses. I'm sick and tired of seeing my children get tore up and die right in front of me. Or my father, or my mother, or my grandmother, or my grandfather. I'm sick and tired of allowing these generational curses. Fear is false evidence appearing real. They're living in fear. How can they have such a beautiful state? I've been all over the world, all over America. This is beautiful here. Mm -hmm. Beautiful people. But God told me I am closest to the crushed in spirit and the broken hearted. Like in Psalms. And we gotta all get together. All of us. And say, you know what? It may not be the end all be all. But God said, I am preparing the land. I'm honoring the effort. In the middle of that, he said, I'm setting the table. So this is not by chance. This was before the foundations of the world. God knew we'd be sitting at this table. The only reason he gives us breath is so that we can illuminate. So that we can point people to Jesus Christ and that's all I am here to do I'm just a willing obedient humble servant that's it 
that's it, John. But I promise you, there's going to be a sifting and a shifting and a shaking at Crusher Stadium. It's not the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. It's not the championship fight. It's just showing people that we care and that we'll do whatever it takes to stop these generational curses. We'll do whatever it takes. Because you may think that, oh, I can't do anything. Mm -hmm. I'm not a pastor. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a leader. I'm not an elder. I might not even go to church. But that, see, God is not a respecter of people, whether you're cleaning the bathroom halls or you're doing altar calls. All he wants to see you do is get up and go and move, and he'll do the rest. Thank you, David. That's an incredible story and outreach. And Roy, maybe you can give the information. David talked about the Crusher Stadium. I know that's coming at the end of the month, and you can give the, the listeners all the particulars and the contact information. Sure. <clears throat> I would love to. Um, well, at Crusher Stadium on August 31st, we're going to have a multitude of speakers speaking on all kinds of things like addiction, um, abortion, men's uh, groups will be there to speak. We have Pastor Jerry O'Brien from the Federal Council of uh, Opioid Addiction. Um, he is on the President's Council. Uh, Mike DeWine has um, going to make an appearance uh, and, and discuss what he's doing at the state level. We have the Lorain County Mars Board and Cuyahoga County Adams Board um, going to be there to, to bring resources to bear for people who not only give their life to Christ, but that need help. Uh, so we have resource tables at the stadium. Um, so we have a lot of pastors that are from different areas and different speakers coming in to address different topics that will be needed that day. We have uh, Stars Go Dim, which is a nationally acclaimed band going to come and, and do worship with us but the one of the best things is in the beginning um, Cleveland's own Sandra Payne mm -hmm. and her team of singers from Beyond the Walls and Cathedral of Life will open and worship mm -hmm. they will sing the national anthem mm -hmm. and at that moment we are going to have a balloon release to celebrate the life of Michael T. George mm -hmm. 3,000 orange balloons being released uh, it's going to be a beautiful thing and in honor of a, a beautiful boy who's meant a lot to Northeast Ohio and has touched thousands of lives, more than all of us will ever know. That young boy has touched a lot of people. So really excited about uh, being a part of the Revival for Survival. Uh, we need volunteers still, and you could go to Revival, the number four, survival.com. Uh, on the website, you'll find everything you need to know. The lineup is there. Um, who's going to be attending, and you can also sign up to volunteer. There's a volunteer link. Um, tickets are free. Parking is free. Uh, there is no charge for anything, and if you can't afford food, we have food vouchers. We will feed you if you get to the stadium. Um, also, if there's anybody out there that is in a recovery home or a sober living home and you need to get there, please contact us through the website. We have buses. We will come get you. You have to do nothing but be a willing, humble, obedient servant and say, I need to be there, and we'll come get you. Wonderful. Very good. David or Wanda, did you have a question for David or Roy before we no, move but, forward? Um, 
there's a commercial that okay. Laura wants us to play. Yeah, that's great. Let's yeah, do that. Know, that's um, a good follow-up. Tony George may call in. Uh, you can maybe play the commercial, and then he'll call back. And good. I do have a question after the commercial for you. Thank you. Answer close. At 5 p.m., Crusher Stadium in Avon will be packed with people seeking hope and help for the first ever revival for survival. Worship with recording artist Stars Go Dim. Hear the good news from evangelist David Nico Hill and be inspired by real people sharing real stories of survival. For ticket information, go to revivalforsurvival.com. That's revival, the number four, survival.com. There is hope because you are loved. So, okay, so David, you know, one of the questions uh, that I've been asked to ask you is, you know, the path that you are on now, uh, doing Christ and our Lord and Savior's good work, when you feel you're getting knocked off by the enemy, how do you get yourself up? I mean, all of us are dealing with certain things during the day, but the dark side of what you had to deal with to get up, and I'm sure as you're doing this, this salvational work that you get hit harder than a lot of people. How do you get to your core strength? How do you stay positive? How do you stay motivated? How do you stay on task? That's a great question, David. You know, sacrifice is everything. And I'm here all by myself. And uh, Holy Spirit told me, Son, you may be lonely, but you're never going to be alone. And uh, so I spent a lot of time battling, but I'm a fighter. And fighter will never let you see them crying so I'm here to fight until I see the eyes of Jesus bottom line very good yeah you know before we close we have a couple minutes left but um, incredible testimony David and the outreach that's going on up here in Northeast Ohio you know our motto has always been why not Cleveland you know revivals and, and, and great uh, revivals have broken out on the East Coast in the 1700s, the 1800s, just incredible. But why not Cleveland? Like you Maybe. say, if not now, when? And not so, who. exactly right. Yes, so, whenever I, when I first heard uh, David's story, it remind me of Mark chapter five of the Demonica Gadara. Yeah, he was. Uh, I think I may have shared this with you, yep. but he was in a cemetery. Men couldn't do anything but chain him, but he was so strong he could break the chains. But he was also self-destructive because yep. it says he was cutting himself. Yeah. But when he met Jesus, it says he was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed in his right mind, and Jesus says, you go tell your friends what great things the Lord has yeah. done for you. And I think by extension, mm-hmm. that's what you're doing, even coming. And I want to give you that word of encouragement. Yeah. Yeah. That In a sense, he commissioned this guy who was living in a cemetery. He gave him a commission to go tell what great things the Lord, and I feel that about you. You know, Tell the people what great yeah. things the Lord has done for you. And I want you to do that with our listening audience. There might be some people out there in bondages listening, Absolutely. doubt, fear, yeah. or they just don't know how to come to Christ. You know, they've had, you know, maybe a background of going to church or something, but just walk them through that in the final minutes here, David, and then we'll close up, but I want to get that contact information yeah, out sure. again. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, fully clothed and in your right mind. That's, uh, that's a mouthful right mm-hmm. there. And uh, you have to say to yourself, why did he have 2,000 demons living on the Mm -hmm. inside? And why was Jesus so persistent in calling him? Mm -hmm. 
And why can a human being live with demons and a pig can't? There's a lot of questions to be answered and asked in Mark chapter 4, verse 36, the storm. And chapter 5, the deliverance. But we're all going through a storm. Storms of hopelessness, confusion, addictions, unforgiveness, pornography. Storms of why me, God? Why'd you take my son? Why'd you take my daughter? Why'd you take my husband? Why'd you take my wife? My grandmother, my grandfather. Why, God? Why, God? Why? And the answer is because God allows free will to be done. And we are living in a dying world. So we all have to be that light, that, that lamp, that city on a hill. And we're going through a storm, but if you try to lean on your own understanding, God cannot acknowledge, acknowledge you in all of the, your paths, in all of your ways. So it takes surrender. We don't want to surrender. So I'm speaking to you, the listener. If you're contemplating suicide, if you're about to take that needle, about to drink that drink, you're about to smoke that pipe, you're down there on that floor looking for that dope, on your knees, this moment, I just want you to cry out. God, if you're real. Jesus, if you've risen, you're coming back again. Holy Spirit, if you're truly the gentleman that's been speaking to me my whole life, come into my heart. Whether you're at a no-tell motel or at a five-star hotel, whether you're just holding on to unforgiveness or you're a businessman, beautiful house, beautiful family, and you're your own God, I promise you, whether you're running from him or you're running to him, or if you're behind bars, like John said, he who's set free by the Son is free indeed. But maybe you're behind man-made bars, bars that you made yourself. Either way, you can believe any way you want to believe. You can believe that. Get all that you can while you can. It's a dirt nap and a wrap and that's that. I'm going to be eaten by the worms. And God bless you. Thank you. You can believe that when you die, you're going to come back and relive this beautiful, perfect life again until you finally get it right. Animal, vegetable, mineral, inanimate object or another person, another form. But I believe in my Father's house there are many rooms. He went to prepare one for you now. If this wasn't true, he would have told you so. I believe no eye has seen, no one can imagine, nor has it entered the hearts of men, women, or children. What God has prepared for those that love him. So be like the thief on the cross that says, when you enter to the Father's house, remember me. Not if you're the Son of God, come off that cross. And just say these simple words with me. Heavenly Father, please hear me, maybe for the very first time. I want to cry out to you. Please forgive me for anything I've done to make you angry, 
to disappoint you, to upset you. But Father, I'm asking you, I'm begging you, come into my heart. I freely admit that your son Jesus was crucified on the cross and rose in three days, and he's coming back again. I confess Jesus is Lord with my mouth. And I willingly accept him into my heart. Take this from me, Father. I will follow you all the days of my life. Till I see you again holding hands with all the angels in a place called heaven. I pray that your last breath here is your first breath with our Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit on the other side in a place called heaven. If you prayed that prayer, get involved. Get somebody that you can reach out to. PLU, people like you, that have just now given their life to Christ, that are fighting that good fight of faith. Get connected to a church, recovery home, shelter, mission, whatever you need to do. Because if I can be born David Allen Hill. Name changed to Nico the Dragon. And now be known as simply David, a man after God's own heart. Anybody can do it. Thank you very much, David, and we're very happy that you made it here in your busy schedule. Thank you, Roy. Uh, thank Hauser and uh, everybody, you know, look it up again. Roy gave you the good information, the commercials out there. August 31st, Crusher Stadium, uh, Lorraine, Ohio. And uh, thank you, Wanda, for coming in and running all the machinery for us today and making this a success. Thank you, Wanda. And thank you, David Abu. Yes, again. great to be here. And thank you, David. Yeah. God bless you. Mi casa, mi casa, su casa. Okay, my friend. Okay. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week. And uh, remember August 3rd. Thanks again, Wanda, for coming. God bless you all. God bless you.